0: Before I get started, I did want to just say that one of the things we've been working on is financial empowerment for people. If you are struggling with financial money management, uh, we have a group coming up. You can talk to me or uh, Tim Johnson or Pastor Hank um, or Elias Joseph. Um, uh, we We have people who will help teach and mentor in this area. Today I'm reading from John chapter 3, verses 1 through 8, as I continue the series on the Holy Spirit. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Verily I say, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. "'How can someone be born when they are old?' Nicodemus asked. "'Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb and be born.' And Jesus answered, "Verily, truly, "'Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God "'unless they are born of water and of the Spirit. "'Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. "'You should not be surprised at my saying, "'You must be born again.'" The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone that is born of the Spirit." I want to see the Spirit of God move here. I want to see real transformation individually and corporately, inwardly and outwardly. I have studied the Holy Spirit for years in Scripture. I have studied the great movements of the Holy Spirit in history and there are universal things that happen there are uniqueness to every great movement of the Holy Spirit every movement of the Holy Spirit is somewhat different because of culture and things going on around but certain things happen again and again and at the heart of everything that happens is this if you want to know when the Holy Spirit is moving there is a sense of the transcendence and greatness of God in your midst. It's not just that you see the beauty of God. That beauty is right here, right now. It is a sense that Jesus is alive and real and here in His Spirit. And that leads to four basic things. The first is that people hunger for God and find Him. People start getting saved. And very often the people that get saved are some of the people who have sat in church for years and years and years. When God's spirit moves, witnessing about Jesus becomes a natural spillover. It's like hitting a full glass. If you, if you hit somebody's glass, the stuff just spills out automatically. Witnessing moves from ought to to want to. It moves from program to lifestyle. A sense of world missions, a sense of God's burden for the lost becomes ours. Some people stay home and witness. Others go global. But people are one into the kingdom of God in ways that are supernaturally natural. Part of the problem we have with witnessing is so often it is so program-driven as opposed to spirit-driven, it is flesh-driven as opposed to spirit-driven, that it comes across and feels to everybody involved totally unnatural. And that's because it is totally unnatural. When the spirit moves, witnessing is natural. A second major thing that happens, and these are not in chronological order or in the order of importance, is that people see themselves in the light of a transcendent God in our midst. We see Jesus for who He is. And then we begin to see ourselves for who we are. And out of that comes a new urgency to deal with debilitating sin. The old-timers called it Holy Ghost conviction. When the Holy Spirit convicts, people become not condemned over their sins but brokenhearted over their sins. They feel a sadness at the cost and the ugliness of sin rather than shame or self-hatred. Too often, Christians don't convict, we condemn. The Holy Spirit convicts. People start to be repulsed by sin's ugliness. Sin becomes like listening to a tone-deaf person sing a solo, a half octave off for all four verses. I have sat through that. I went, if that's sin, I want no part of it. We see sin from Christ's point of view. We see it as some sort of leech sucking the life out of us. The feeling becomes, get it off. There are no more mixed feelings when the spirit moves. No more double-mindedness about the things that hurt us, hurt each other, hurt God. Do temptations remain? Of course they do. They always will. Will addictions have to be fought? For most people, absolutely. But when the spirit is moving, sin is no longer seen as some sort of cuddly pet to be played with. There's no more double-mindedness towards it. A third thing that happens when the spirit moves is social change. Transformation does not remain just a private affair. Just me and Jesus in a phone booth. Remember a phone booth? The compassion of Christ compels us to help the least of these as well as reach out to the lost. Injustices are no longer tolerated by the church like they are now. Hungry bellies are no longer seen as just the government's problems. Mistreated persons in prison are seen as our brothers and our sisters. Christ's agenda becomes ours. Christ's heart becomes ours. And the fourth and most central aspect of the Holy Spirit moving is that the Spirit takes our eyes off of ourselves and puts them on to Jesus. We focus on His greatness, not our egos. We focus on His will being done on earth as it is in heaven. And less on building our lives around us. We get caught up in His beauty, His goodness, His transcendence. We worship Him because the Spirit makes Christ the center of all things instead of us the center of all things. Worship becomes alive when the Spirit is moving because the Spirit has been sent to ignite our hearts in worship for Christ. He's meant to show us Christ's glory so that we in turn will join with the Spirit and glorify Christ together. He has been sent to make Christ real to us. Christ's love real to us so that we will become consumed by God's love and return it we will be set on fire by the love of coming from Christ's heart and our hearts in turn will be set on fire we burn when when we see how Christ's heart burns for us our heart begins to burn for him that is the essence of worship there are times these are, I mean, these are themes that are repeated in every Holy Spirit movement with power. It happened in the first and second Great Awakenings. It happened at Azusa Street. And by the way, it is happening all over the world right now. Now, I'm sure some of you are expecting me to tell you how we're going to make this happen at HBIC this morning. Okay, Pastor Woody, give us a formula. Give us the 10-step PowerPoint. You've never got a PowerPoint. Don't expect one. I did one years ago and it was humiliating. We're not going there. I don't have a formula because what I've just described to you is not under my control. It is not under your control. There is no committee that controls the move of the Holy Spirit. There is no hired gun you can hire and bring in that sets off real revival. There are no easy formulas for the movements of the Holy Spirit because like Jesus said, the Holy Spirit is like the wind. You can't tell which direction the wind is going to blow or how hard or how long. No one controls the wind, Jesus said. There is no one-for-one cause-and-effect strategy that I can tell you this morning to make the Spirit move. We can't push buttons to make God do anything. God reveals Himself when He chooses and how He chooses. I can't say if 10 people would pray for 10 hours a day for the next week, then this and this and this will happen. There is no one-to-one causality like that. Why? Because God is sovereign. He decides what He's going to do. We don't set His agenda. He's supposed to set ours. He knows what His agenda is. Jesus is not a genie in a bottle whose lamp we rub, and he comes up and does our bidding for us. He's not a computer program who produces what we want. As I said before, we are not in control. The wind blows where it wants to, Jesus said. But please, please hear this. The wind does blow a lot all over the place. And we are called to hold up ourselves and let the wind take us. We can learn to sail on the winds of the Spirit. We can learn to listen. We can learn to receive what the Spirit is up to. The implications of this are staggering. If what I've said is so, it means that the main goal of life is to intersect with the God who is with us right here and right now. It is to discover who He is and how He works. It is to learn how to interact with Him and discover how He is moving in our hearts and in our lives and in our church. God's Spirit is like the wind, Jesus said. The wind cannot be seen, but you sure can feel it, can't you? The wind cannot be seen, but its power is easily observed, isn't it? You watch these Weather Channel shows where the trees are bent over in half? The wind is powerful. And the wind can be to some degree discerned its direction, its speed, its temperature. Our goal, Jesus taught us, is to be ready for the wind. We are told to hold up ourselves and flow with the movements of God's Spirit. You know, when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, he was talking to a dense dude. And he got it so wrong. Jesus went, look, you must be born again. And Nicodemus goes, you mean i got to crawl back in my mom's womb? Jesus said, let me try the next analogy. The wind of the Spirit. There have been many times we are all dense. I cannot condemn Nicodemus this morning. There are times I've been, the God's Spirit has blown and I've missed it. For instance, I'll give you an example. There are times I have felt love for an enemy or a total stranger and thought, how odd. Never thinking it might be the Spirit praying for that person through me or loving that person through me. You know, this week in Philippians and Wednesday night Bible study, we came to that verse where it says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling because it is God at work in you. Every now and then, you can see the Spirit's work in you, whether conscious or unconscious, popping out on you. When you do something that is godly and unnatural, I want you to know, you just might want to give the Holy Spirit credit for that working in you. So often, we do not pay attention. We do not expect. We are oblivious to the work of the Spirit around us. At other times, I felt gratitude well up within me for a moment. And did not realize God was helping me see, really see, maybe for the first time, how precious love with a person in my life or, or life or what was going on in front of me was. I really saw it through God's eyes. And I just thought I was being sentimental. I just thought I was getting mellower with age. I want you to know I'm not getting mellower with age. I'm as mean as I ever was. We miss so much of what God does in us and around us because we do not pay attention. We are not ready for the wind to blow. Our sails are down. Prayer is putting up our sails again. It means we believe that God's love and God's life and God's person and God's spirit are flowing around us all the time. And if God is real and if the wind is blowing and that wind can be felt and experienced the dead orthodoxy can turn into living water again then empty souls can be filled with the bread of heaven again then biblical facts become a reality as Alec Rowland writes experiencing the presence of God is not optional for the Christian life it's not something reserved for the spiritually elite or for the mystics on the mountaintops it is and should be an ongoing reality for all believers because it is only in God's presence that our love for Him is born, revived, nurtured. Detached, cold-hearted passivity is the real enemy of the church, he said. Let me say that again. Detached, cold-hearted passivity is the, in, is the enemy of the church for most Christians. And often that detached, cold-hearted passivity is quite orthodox. It is quite biblically correct, but nevertheless, it is lifeless. God means for us to experience more than a lifeless Christianity. You know, a nationally known speaker was invited to hold a week-long series of meetings at an Episcopal church in the Northeast. And, the, you know, he, he, his first meeting at the church was scheduled for Sunday night, but the pastor there wanted to introduce him to the congregation on Sunday morning, and that Sunday morning happened to be Easter Sunday morning. The priest preached like almost all Anglican, I mean, uh, not Anglican, Episcopalian priests from a lectionary. Throughout the service, this guest speaker sensed a dryness pervading the congregation, like dust settling over a well-traveled road after a car passes. The guest speaker began to pray for the priest and for the meetings to follow that week. And as he was praying, the Holy Spirit spoke to this guest preacher, and he said, watch, I'm about to pour out my spirit on this priest. And I'm sure the feelings of the guest speaker was, make it quick, this is killing me. At that point in the sermon, the priest was reading from Luke 24. He is not here. He is risen. And after he read the line, the priest stopped as if stunned. He looked puzzled, and he took a longer than normal breath. The evangelist noticed that the priest, who up to this point had been standing absolutely motionless behind the pulpit, he actually began to tap his right toe. Victory was coming. Oh boy, here it comes the guest thought the priest reread the text he is not here he is risen and at that very moment it appeared to the guest speaker as if the text moved from reason to experience from the priest's head to the priest's heart the priest stepped away from the pulpit with a look of surprise on his face He looked out at the congregation and repeated, He is not here. He is risen. He's not here. He's risen. As if he had heard it for the first time or experienced it for the first time. The priest kept saying it louder than the congregation had ever heard him speak it from the pulpit. And at this point, the priest grabbed a fistful of his robes in each hand and began pacing back and forth across the platform. By the way, that's why I don't need a robe. I just flail about. I don't need it hindering me. Plus, I, you know, I've got the figure for never mind. The, uh, but he kept pacing back and forth, and he just kept shouting, "He is here. He is not here. He is risen. He is risen." The priest was fully in control, and yet, what was happening called. The priest and the parish, by surprise, but it wasn't chaotic. He simp, this priest simply gripped anew in his heart by the power, was, was gripped anew in his heart by the power and depth of the truth he was reading. The truth welled up with a wild, wildness he had not felt in years, if ever. And just then the presence of God swept through the normally stoic congregation, and the congregation jumped to their feet. Some wept. Some prayed out loud, some lifted their hands, everyone began to worship. And I must remind you, this happened in an Episcopalian church. Now, you know, Episcopalians do not raise their hands and weep and cry. listen, in charismatic Episcopal, but this was the regular brand. When the Spirit moves, he always comes as a surprise, even though we may have been praying for him for years. When the Spirit moves, Christ becomes alive. Our feeling becomes the same feeling as that priest. He is here and he is alive. He is risen. When the Spirit moves, the Spirit convicts. Souls are transformed. Christ is glorified. Love flows from The heart of the Father into the heart of the Son. The Son sends the Spirit. He pours the love of God into our hearts. And then we join with the Spirit in praising Jesus Christ. And we get caught up in the worship and the love of the Trinity itself. Love becomes a reality instead of a concept. Are your sails up, brothers and sisters? That's the question for every church. Are you prepared for the wind to blow? Because I want to tell you something, the wind is already starting to blow here. And I can honestly tell you, I don't know where or when or how hard the wind will blow before it is all over. But God is up to something here. The Spirit is moving. There is a hunger growing for more of God Himself by the people in this church more than I have seen in a long, long time. I've actually had people come up to me and say, look, I've been in therapy for years, but I need more in therapy. I need God. Can you show me how to find God? I've had people come up to me and say, I've been on medication, and medication really helped, but I need more than medication. Can you help me find Jesus? And that hunger, in and of itself, is proof of the wind starting to blow. Because the Spirit does not create hunger. And then refused to feed us. Two Sundays ago, I felt the Spirit's winds blowing in here. Several things happened. For instance, the Holy Spirit gave Bart a song at the end of the first service. Totally spontaneously. He started to sing a song to, to the Spirit, about the Spirit, from the Spirit. He had planned nothing. And I remember going to the second service. He said, oh Jesus, help me remember what you gave me in the first service. And then something else happened. But first, before I tell you what happened two weeks ago, I need to give you some background. Over 20 years ago, Tammy Camacho, some of you remember Tammy Camacho, don't you? In our old facility, she was there back on 20th and Chestnut. By the way, by the way, this is the 10th anniversary of us in this building today. We've been here 10 years. We're 10 years, never mind. Anyway, back in the old facility, I was, it was a Sunday morning service, and I was preaching, oddly enough, on the Holy Spirit. And after the service, Tammy Camacho came to me and she said, Can I talk to you? And she said to me, I don't want you to think I'm crazy. But at the climax of the sermon, when you quoted Jesus' words, it is the Father's great pleasure to give you the Holy Spirit. It is the Father's will to give you the Holy Spirit. She said, I saw a vision. Who do I report visions to in this church? And I said, of course you report it to the vision committee. We have a committee for everything in this church. I said, no, tell me. Tell me. And by the way, when I said she had a vision, she never had a vision before that day. She never had a vision after that day. But here's what she told me She said, I saw angels all over the church this Sunday morning in worship. Most were seated, and they were red and yellow, and they were black and white. And when you said it was God's will, His good pleasure to give us the Holy Spirit, all of the angels jumped to their feet and started shouting and clapping and praising the Lord and rejoicing at the good news they had heard. Tammy has since died and gone to be with the Lord. But I never forgot what Tammy told me that day. Two weeks ago, I was sitting in front of the church praying after the second service, after preaching on the Holy Spirit and a woman came and she sat beside me and she said with tears streaming down her face I don't want you to think I'm crazy but today when you were preaching about being filled with the Holy Spirit I had a vision and I saw angels all over the church and they were sitting And at the climax of the sermon, I saw all the angels jump up and cheer like they were at a football game, clapping and shouting and praising the Lord for what they had heard. I've never had a vision. And these are the only two visions I've known that we've ever had during church. We've had lots of dreams, but not visions. And I don't mean godly dreams either. (laughs) But both of these women saw angels at the Harrisburg Brethren in Christ Church bear witness to the fact that God wants to give us the Holy Spirit in fullness. Both of these women, through their visions, bear witness to the fact that the angels are rejoicing at what God wants to do here. It is time to believe, I think, and expect It is time to pray. It is time to hold up our sails. It is time to rejoice at what the angels are rejoicing at. It is time to believe at what the angels believe is coming. In the days and the weeks and the months to come, I don't know what's going to happen because as I told you before, I'm not in charge. But something has started. And even angels are paying attention to what has started. God, help us to hold up our sails because the wind has started to blow. I do believe these visions are an invitation to go deeper and further than we've ever gone. The first time this dream came, I must be honest with you, I'm not sure. I I just went, oh neat, praise God, angels showed up. Now, the second time it has come, I'm realizing this is more than just a neat experience. This is an invitation. We are being watched from heaven to see what we do when the Spirit blows. Are you ready to hold up your sails? Before we partake of communion, I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. and I want you to invite the Holy Spirit to fill you, to become, to make Jesus real to you, to make biblical truths real to you, to take you beyond routine and deadness and dryness. I invite you to make Jesus, the center of all things, so that the Spirit may work in your heart and life over these next few minutes. Jesus, move among us. Spirit, reveal Christ to us. Spirit, remove any blockages in us. Spirit, pour the love of Jesus straight into our hearts. And help us worship. Thank you for the hunger. Make us hunger more. Thank you for the thirst. Make us thirstier. Fill us. Fill us till we want no more. Now Lord as we partake of this communion help us to continue to feed on your love and goodness and worship you. Be real to us in Jesus name. We now invite you to come to this table not because you must but because you may. Come to testify not that you are perfect, but that you sincerely love our Lord Jesus Christ and desire to be his true disciple. Come not because you are strong, but because you are weak. Not because you have any claim on heaven's rewards, but because in your frailty you stand in constant need of heaven's mercy and help. Now that the supper of the Lord is spread before you, lift your minds and hearts above all fears and cares. Come Holy Spirit. Let this bread and this cup be to you the witness of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit. Today we're going to partake of communion in our seats. If you uh, are a lover of Jesus, you do not have to be a member of this church or of this denomination to partake of communion. We also ask that you hold the cup, and the bread until we all can partake together. And finally, if you are allergic, if you need gluten-free, in, there are little packets that in, in the bread is in little packets, plastic packets that says gluten-free. Again, make this a time where you are feeding, okay? Not because this is what The cup and the bread stand for. It stands for the communion with Jesus, the communion through the Spirit, the communion with the Father. We are called, it is symbolically saying, Come and feed. Please, let the Spirit feed you. Let us read the responsive reading together. Brothers and sisters, this bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? Take and eat this bread, remembering that he was born to be our Savior. He was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. Feed on him in your heart and be thankful. Thank you Jesus the night when Jesus was betrayed he also took the cup blessed it and gave it to his disciples we do likewise let us pray Lord Jesus you said that life is in the blood that's what this cup symbolizes but the real life coursing in this room now is the life of the Spirit your life sent again may we drink you up May we take you in, in fullness. Thank you for the communion you have provided for us, the communion feast. Amen. Let us read the responsive reading. Brothers and sisters, this cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? Take this cup, remembering that he said, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Drink of it together and be thankful. You for your life. I'd like the worship team to come forward. I'd like the intercessors to come forward. The altar will be open for any kind of prayer for anyone. We're going to worship God. Again, I told the first service after the last song. And benediction you are welcome to stay and pray if you feel like the spirit is dealing with you or you can go to the prayer room and pray or you can ask someone to pray with you but we uh, do not want to artificially cut off in any way what the spirit is doing so if you will please stand and we will worship and the altar is now open mm.
1: Help us to be a people who submit to you. Help us to be a people who live by you, who are transformed by you. And we thank you this morning that the wind is blowing, Lord. Help us to open our eyes to see. Help us to open our hearts to see. Help us open our lives to see where the Spirit is going. And help us be humble enough to join you in the work of making the kingdom come. Lord, bless us as we leave and help us to be a blessing for your kingdom. In your holy and precious name, amen. God bless you all.